it's so it's so good to be recovered and able to move uh, around. Hey, I just want to say um, before I uh, begin, it's so good to have Uncle Alan up chairing our service and involved in worship. Uh, you know, at FGA, um, we God has really called us. I think it's the picture that the Bible paints, even uh, when it talks about the Church of God. Um, God's really called us to be a multi-generational church. Uh, I grew up with Uncle Alan leading in worship. I used to be his guitarist, uh, you know, while he was leading worship. And just to be able to have all the different generations, whether it would be young, all the way to mature, uh, you know, um, able to genuinely worship the Lord together, to bring their richness of their generation, but also of their own life experience, the, the reality of the life that they have lived um, into a congregation like ours, I think it's a real privilege. So thank you, Uncle Alan, for chairing today um, and for still, you know, being an example and serving uh, in the way that you you do. Um, it's a, it's a, you may not know this, but Uncle Alan uh, and my mom and Uncle Roland sit on our eldership advisory board. And so the way FGA is sort of structured, um, we are led by the senior leadership team. We've got a board that sits and makes all the sort of board decisions uh, for the church. But on top of that um, is our eldership advisory board that I meet up with. And one, they can sack me. But two, <laughs> but two, they are actually there to counsel and guide me as I lead the church with the uh, senior leadership team. And so I'm very, very, very uh, grateful and um, I think uh, privileged, actually. We are all privileged to have these generations speak into the life of our church. But okay, let me open us in prayer and let's get right into it. It's a new year. Father, we thank you. Uh, for another year, for a brand new year, 2021. Oh my goodness, Lord, we were so looking forward to 2021, and, and here it is. So Lord, uh, we pray for this year, even at the beginning of the year, at the first service of this year, Lord, uh, as I speak, I pray, Lord God, that, that, um, that you would move mightily, not just in our church, but in our homes, in our communities, and in this nation even, Lord God. We pray for 2021 that it would be a year of uh, freedom, that it would be a year, Lord, of your kingdom, Father God. Uh, that your kingdom would bring about the free life the life that you have intended for all of us. And so I pray for 2021. I pray for every family uh, that is represented here. I pray for even all the individuals that are here. Lord God, that uh, you would help us to be carriers of your kingdom, that you would help us as a church, as a household of faith, to choose wisely to live in accordance with your instruction and your purposes as we enter into 2021. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Hey, uh, we are beginning a series this year um, that is called Free at Last. It's going to go till January. Our whole year actually is uh, going to be looking at the book of Galatians. And so... Um, what I thought we would do is we would begin the year very sort of scripture-oriented. Um, I 
have spent sort of the, the last week, our staff have been on break. You know, I've been on break. I've been getting out in the morning, praying about the year. We've got a lot of big decisions to make. Uh, 5th of January in two days' time, we've got this massive leadership meeting because FGA is busting at the seams. We sold out today. We had to like... work ways around getting people in here to fit the requirements, uh, you know, and so um, up for debate on the 5th of January is what are we going to do as we go forward into 2021? Are we just going to keep Novotel, you know, forever? Are we going to go to services? What are we going to do? And so I, we would appreciate a lot of prayer um, over our senior leadership team meeting on the 5th of, of January, right? We also have a leadership retreat at the end of this month. We've got two retreats at the end of this month, uh, both in, within Victoria. One is for all of the senior leadership of the church. We're going away to Camaray Waters, um, which has been very kindly offered to us uh, at very low prices. Um, and then the second one is a home group leaders retreat that we've got at the end. And all of that is really to gear us up this year because last year was a transformative year for FGA, uh, as I imagine with many, many other churches, right? But FGA can't stay the same. FGA can't stay the same. One, we don't even fit in one service anymore. And then we, I don't think we can adequately disciple people if they're continually, you know, just watching online. So we've got to work out a good COVID-safe way for all of us to be together and be in community. But at the same time, we've also changed because we've grown in a realization that our home culture and our home personal lives are actually much, much more important than we even realized. That it somehow has become possible in modern church to just show up, and you've heard me talk about this last year, so it's been an evolving kind of thing, and we had a leaders meeting last year where we discussed it, but somehow it's become possible for us as church, as families, I guess, to outsource religion to the church, so that our biggest task as the father is, hey, if I can get the kids to church, if I can get people to church, oh, I'm done, that's it, we're good. But what we discovered in 2020 was, oh no, we actually have to take some responsibility for our own spiritual life. We actually have to take some kind of responsibility when we're on our own, when we are, you know, don't have all of the support structures that are around. How is our faith going to grow? And so it was a little bit of an eye-opener for us. Brilliant. We also changed as a church because we were able to, uh, at the same time as there was that distance with gathering together, the same time, there was this ability to go into homes and our Christian education classes and our prayer meetings and the like skyrocketed, right? And so we are, we're sitting down this year in a bunch of leadership meetings all through January and we're working out, given what we know about 2020, which arguably, um, you know, nobody will deny that it was a sort of a world-changing year, Right? Uh, how is FGA going to then go 2021 and beyond to still maintain the mission that God has placed on us? So that as for me and my house, 
we would serve the Lord. That would mean me and my house, as in me, if I am by myself, my house is my actual house and the people who are in my household, but also our household of faith. How would we as a church remain serving the Lord well, achieving His purposes, representing Him and His kingdom, being an ambassador for Christ? And I'm so glad that 2020 actually brought us more opportunities than ever. I mean, I, let's be very realistic about FGA. We could do a lot more in social impact in our community in Box Hill as a church. In fact, even around the world. We could. And 2020 was the year that that took a big leap forward. So being involved with the Whitehorse Churches Care, being involved in food relief, uh, officially with the Council for COVID Relief, um, plus undertaking, taking the spearhead on behalf of the Whitehorse Churches Care for the Deacon International students. Um, that was a big, and we're still doing that, by the way. Um, you know, that was a big uh, move for us, as well as, thanks to Pastor Weissy, a whole range of hampers and things over the Christmas um, period. But as we enter 2021 and beyond, I think there also is for us as a church some serious discussions we need to have about how we can get more involved with the community, how we can better represent Christ um, in our action, not just in our intentions. Um, so, Happy New Year. Uh, Way are you driving my slides? Perfect. Happy New Year. It's a great, it's a great year. Um, you know, it, we all can feel, I think, we all can get a feel of what it's like to be actually free at last. I think it's taken on a whole new meaning for everybody in the world, but in particular Melbourne, which is one of the longest lockdown cities in the world, right, of 2020. So, um, we know what it's like to be free at last. I think what can happen, so in reflection, I think as we talk about being free at last, and we were talking about freedom today, the topic of the sermon is called Choose Freedom. So if you want to, and I'm introducing uh, for the whole month, we're going to have a bunch of topics around being free at last, all right? So this is just the intro. But I think sometimes freedom can be taken for granted. Freedom can be taken for granted. We, we, we know this. Uh, a personal thing for me was I had taken for granted being able to just like walk around and bounce, you know, like I'm normally walking. Like I, I had completely taken that for granted. I didn't realize how freeing it is to be able to just get up and go somewhere else. Like, until I had surgery on my foot, I couldn't use one of my feet. I had a moon boot for like full on four weeks. And um, let me tell you, you miss the days where you could just get up and get something, you know. Um, and and we, we, feel, we know what that is like, right? We've been, we've been in lockdown. We know what it's like to, to be stuck at home and then there's, there's really nothing to do. All you want to go is, is go out, but that, your favorite restaurant is five kilometers point two, you know, so you can't really go there, um, we have seen this year what happens when some of our freedoms that we take for granted disappear. And I think when, um, and that's an important object lesson for us because sometimes as Christians, especially 
again, um, if you grew up in church, I think sometimes we can take our freedoms for granted. So we can sort of go, oh, you know what? I haven't really tasted all of these bad things that are restricting, going to restrict my life. That are going to have effects on my life much later. I haven't really tasted that. I've been a goody-goody Christian, whatever thing it is, right? And so when I turn 18, oh, when I get, when I hit uni, whatever, ah, oh, that is when all my freedoms are going to be able to be exercised and ooh, off I go, right? And sometimes, because um, we now in church as a pastor, we counsel people who are 10 years further down than that, 20 years further down than that, 30 years further down. And unfortunately, due to choices that have been made, addictions have formed. Um, uh, bad habits have kicked in. Certain ways of thinking have solidified. And, and oh my goodness, we now deal with people in their older years and in some ways, they're trapped. In some way, their past binds them. Things they've done in the past, things they have regretted, whatever it is. But their past binds them. That's why, that's why that song, free, free, I'm free at last, right? The, the other line is it, it goes free from my past. Because sometimes even our past can be a thing that restricts our freedom. So we, we, we can take our freedoms for granted. I think we also, <clears throat> sitting here in 2021, all of us can inherently understand, inherent, I don't even have to go into lots of explanation, but we can inherently understand that sometimes in order to have freedom, a price must be paid now. Right? So enable for us to be able to go more than 5Ks, to not wear a mask, for, for us to walk around safely without COVID. All of us here in Victoria and Melbourne, we paid a terrible price. A terrible price. Again, as a pastor, we saw firsthand, close up, some of the terrible prices that were paid. The, the, the financial impact, the emotional impact, the... Um, the relational impact of the price that was paid to get some kind of COVID freedom, right? So uh, it's, it, it's kind of in view. We, we can't understand that prices, you know, you, you can't just say, I want freedom. Um, in history, freedom has come at great cost, whether that would be in battling for freedom, whether that would be in... Um, uh, in education for freedom, whether it would be in a range of things, but freedom can't be taken for granted, and freedom often comes at a cost. 2020 has provided uh, us the perfect... Uh, Man, I typed that a bit too fast. 2020 has provided us the perfect costly example of what it's like to not be the master. To not be the master. Uh, whatever you were thinking prior to 2020, whether you thought, hey, the world's my oyster. Hey, you know, humanity is at its peak. We can do whatever we want. Whatever we thought of the world prior to that 2020, 
it has been proven that mankind, that we are not actually the master of everything. That little viruses can make us panic. That, that actually uh, we don't control the world, the weather, the environment. There are so many things that are just kind of outside of our control. And so while we want to have freedom, while we say we have freedom, we don't actually really have sort of complete mega freedom, right? Because in order to do that, we would have to be the master of everything. And so I want to um, do a quick recap, if I could, to a sermon that we did last year that people still um, talk about. And if you, if you missed it, you can go back um, to our series. But I want to remind us a little bit of what we learned about freedom in our What Everybody Needs to Know series. So we did a, a series called What Everybody Needs to Know. We covered four sort of big topics, and one of them was freedom. And here is uh, the definition that we provided for freedom there. The freedom is the power or right to act, speak, or think as one wants, right? So you're free. If you can move about, if, you're like, if I can walk, if you can act, speak, and, and, and move around, it's the state of not being imprisoned or enslaved. All right? Very, very obvious. In fact, the Greek word um, for freedom is, literally translates as uh, not enslaved. So it's, you're not enslaved. All right? Uh, we learned last year as well that free will is not freedom. Okay, so all of us have free will. You can, right now, you can choose to do whatever you want. Even if you're sitting right here, you could tune me out if you wanted to. That, that, that's entirely up to you, right? Your, your parents could, could make you study maths and send you to maths tuition, but you are free to think about Fortnite during your maths tuition and learn nothing, right? Like, like we all have some element of free will. That's why the human will, the human spirit, is so hard to conquer. But free will is not the same as freedom. Right? Just because you want to do something doesn't mean you can. Right? The, the choices we make affect, actually, our future freedoms. One of the ways to think about choices and freedom is to think about it as many rounds. Okay, so view choices as if there were many rounds. So, hey, I've got free will, I can make a choice. Great, I'm going to make a choice that the next round either limits or increases the number of choices I have for the future. Then I make another choice, and it either increases or reduces the limits that I have for the future, and it goes on and on and on again. That's why they say the choices you make when you're younger make a lot of difference in your overall life. Because you enact your free will. You, you, you choose things with the, the free will that you have, and it affects your future freedom. Uh, you know, um, a quick example that we used last year was, hey, I don't need to sleep. So I'm going to use my free will I'm, I'm, and my freedom, my free will and my freedom, and I'm going to, I don't know, play computer games or watch Netflix. Or whatever the thing is, great. And so you choose one, 
one hour, two hours, three hours, four hours, and you make choices. Great. You have free will. You're able to uh, and have freedom in what you want to do. But over time, over time, your choices become limited because after you haven't slept for one day, you haven't slept for two days, you can't even make it through watching a Netflix show. You can't even play your computer game well after two days of no sleep. Trust me, I've tried it when I was younger. You, you can't. And so your options are now really limited, right? Your options are really limited now. In fact, if you were to choose to sleep, the next day, you would have more options available to you. That's just the reality of the body that we have. I'm not, I'm not even talking about anything in the Bible right now. That's just our normal life. They are the limits that we have in our life. That as we make certain choices, if they are wise choices, they bring forth more freedom, better fruit. And if they are bad choices, it actually restricts our future freedom. You can... Draw parallels, not just with health and your body, but with money and finances. You could do that with education. You could do that with relationships. You can do that with a range of things. But we know that just because we have free will doesn't mean that we will always have freedom. Yep. So that, and again, we covered this in our last session last year, um, sometimes when we win we lose. I mean, sometimes when we get the thing that we really want, the thing that we've most wanted, if we have chose that poorly, if we pick with our freedom, today's topic is choose freedom, right? But if we pick with our free will, with our choice, with this year beginning, now that we're let out of lockdown, now we can do whatever we want, woo! Except we have to buy a mask indoors and uh, we can't go to Sydney, whatever it is, right? But almost whatever we want, Great. What are we going to do with that choice? Because some of the choices we make will be bad for us and some will be good. And we're at the beginning of the year right now. We're contemplating what we're going to do this year. So the question I wanted to ask as we begin this year, as we begin this free at last series is, what will we do with our freedom. What will we do with our freedom? Um, and the topic is choose freedom. Uh, we're going to look at the whole of Galatians 5, but probably as the anchor, Galatians 5 verse 1. Let's read that together. It says, For freedom, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. What does that mean? It means that one of the reasons Christ has paid such an expensive price, one of the reasons why Christ died on the cross, why he came down to earth that we just celebrated Christmas, one of the reasons why even Christianity, even this church, why? It's, it's for freedom, actually. And that he, embedded into this verse is the assumption that you could choose things that would put you into slavery. 
embedded into this verse is the, is the notion that all of us, now that we're free, could once again, with our freedom, choose to be enslaved. But what are these freedoms that are given to us? I, I want to cover them kind of really quickly and then, and then get on to how we can choose freedom wisely, right? Because the freedom that Christ has won for us is not to be taken for granted lightly. Just like my walking around with two feet, okay? Uh, we have been freed from the curse of the law, Galatians 3.13, that's what Christ says. Curse of the law. That means that prior to Jesus Christ, in order to, to be deemed righteous, oh my goodness, you had to live the actual perfect life. None of us could pull that off. None of us. And so we've been free from the curse of the law that basically says we have to be perfect. We are free from the curse of Adam. And you might think, why would we even have the curse of Adam? I tell you, we're all paying. We're always paying for the sins of our forefathers. We're always. If our parents blew away all their inheritance and spent all their money and whatever it is, us as children, it affects us. So us, as the descendants of Adam, have always had to deal with the stuff that Adam brought on to us. But thanks to Jesus, we're free. We're free from spiritual death, the kind of death that disconnects us from our Father, that disconnects us from God. We're actually even free from the fear of natural death, even as death and the threat of death looms around this pandemic. Um, I, have, I have literally sat with people You'd be surprised. Like, I, I didn't grow up as a pastor, obviously, right? But you'd be surprised. I've now sat with people who do not have the fear of death. And I've done their funeral. They'll sit down and they'll go, I'm ready to be with my Lord. And wow, what a difference that is to somebody who is panicked and completely at loss because they don't know. What lies ahead? Fear free from condemnation, free from the power of sin that restricts us and, and sucks away our freedom. We're free from the authority of Satan. You do not want to give Satan authority and rule over your life. Quick heads up, not a good master. He's not a good master, all right? But we are free. You can't just get out of Satan's grip. We actually had to be redeemed. The, a price had to be paid. And then we are free to inherit God's riches as his children in Galatians 4. So if, if Jesus Christ is your Lord, if you have said, hey, Jesus, thank you so much for buying my freedom. I accept that. I take that. I now come under your covering, under your kingdom. If you, these are your freedoms. But this passage says it is possible for you to like forsake that and go freely choose a yoke of slavery even within church, even within, oh my goodness, what, what is this? So we need to make decisions that will keep us free. Whether you're not a Christian or you're a Christian, I think, you've got to think about what kinds of decisions 
are going to keep us free. I'm going to take a quick three-minute, if I could, three-minute um, aside uh, for a very, very important matter. And then I'm going to get right into the topic. Just also, it's freedom-oriented. But it's also the beginning of the year, and we didn't want to bring up this topic uh, over Christmas because everybody's like, party mode and all over the place. The year has begun. We got some real business to get down to. Things are happening. I want to talk a little bit about um, the uh, what is called the Change and Suppression Conversion Practices Prohibition Bill 2020. It's a very, very long bill name. Uh, we would have sent out last year um, information to all of our home group leaders and our, and our leaders to sign a petition. It was less important actually last year for the whole general public to know about it because only the members of parliament voted. All right. Unfortunately, what has happened is um, that uh, when that bill was passed in the lower house, all unanimously, all members of parliament voted for it. So now, the only option for repealing this bill, which I'll talk a little bit about, is if 73% of Victorians object. 70, it's okay. I'm thankful that Australia and Melbourne uh, is a place that we, uh, where everybody of all faiths and all orientations can live together in harmony. I, I really am. Uh, there's freedom of religion here and there's freedom of speech. And so while there is still freedom of religion and freedom of speech, we can, regardless of whatever the majority is, regardless of whatever it is, we can always express our views. There's a petition outside um, that will enable us to do that. Um, I'll be the first to admit that there is much need for reform within churches and our approach that we have taken as churches to others in the wider community. There must be things that will change, and, and, and we are changing. Um, but look, these changes are rolling ahead. Uh, I think you'll see as a church here in Victoria that legislation has changed a whole range of things, as well as internally a range of things are changing. But as I look at this particular legislation, I think it is taking things too far. FGA chooses carefully what areas of politics we delve into. We feel like it's our responsibility as the pastoral leadership of this church to make you aware of issues that we need to um, be across and to exercise our freedom of speech and religion when we need to. Now, again, this petition, it's a free will choice, right? I'm not we can't compel anybody to, to sign it. If you're this way inclined, you can sign the petition. If not, give it a miss, right? But it surprised me over the break how few people even knew that this bill was coming up and what it entails. So here we go. This bill basically um, bans harmful conversion practices um, uh, for people who identify different from their biological gender, all right? Uh, broadly, it's got, it's got some good things in there, but unfortunately, it also has lumped in a range of very, very problematic things. So, um, 
Under these laws, parents may be found to be family violence offenders if they fail to affirm their child's non-biological gender. Things like suggesting your child should wait before undertaking irreversible medical treatment to change their gender would be considered an offense. Um, just as concerning is the specific classification of prayer as a conversion practice. All right, and again, I'm very, very aware that there are some bad practices in uh, same-sex conversion therapy that, that the church has employed, and we're against that. There are some really, really bad ones. But this particular bill, if we pay attention, goes further than that. It affects parents. That means if your children, my children are older now, so it kind of less affects me, but if your children grow up and, and they are asking you questions and you do anything but affirm their choice, that is now going to be against the law. Um, this is the first time any Australian government, any government in Australia has sought to regulate who you can pray for or what you can pray about. This is a serious uh, restriction on our freedom of thought, conscience, and religious expression. Um, Dale Stevenson, the senior pastor of Crossway, does a very, very good summary of the issues involved. We're going to be sending that out in our email newsletter. You can so listen to Dale and Crossway are part of the White Horse Church's care group that we are in. And so um, there's a range of us that are trying to basically, as history will look back on this moment, have our voices heard. We do need 73% majority of Victorians though. So anyway, that's all I kind of want to say about it. There will be a petition you can sign. There will be a link in the newsletter. The petition needs to be in by the 13th of January. You're welcome to message our pastors, our home group leaders. You message me if you want more details about it. Again, I want to emphasize that we're not against um, reforming some of the ways that we do conversion therapy or, or reforming even some of the ways that the church behaves with the community. There needs to be reform. But this particular bill, oh my goodness, it is not good. All right. Um, anyway, cool. So let's get back to it. Uh, there is a lot about ignorance, there's a lot of ignorance around freedom. Because freedom is one of these topics, it's like love. It's easy to talk about, it's got a lot of um, inherent resonance with us. Everybody wants to be free, everybody likes love, right? But because it's so easily resonant, we, we don't usually go into the details and we don't realize that, that sometimes we can take it for granted, sometimes there's a price to be paid for it. And so Paul, as he goes into Galatians, he hones in on this ignorance and he uses one word to talk about what can restrict freedom. He uses one Greek word. That word actually links into our in-person series from last week. It's actually really geeky because uh, that word in-person or incarn incarnate means in the flesh. In-person, uh, incarnation of Jesus. But the one word that Paul uses is carne, which is flesh. Sucks, right? Flesh. Carne in Latin, sucks in Greek flesh in English, all right? He uses the word flesh, and he says that there are two types of things that can restrict your freedom. There are going to be two problems with the flesh. The first one is religious flesh, and the second is worldly flesh. 
And we're going to talk about them both today. If it were up to me, I'd flip it. I'd talk about worldly flesh first and then address like religious flesh. But Paul goes religious flesh first. And so I'm going to defer to the wisdom of the Bible, way wiser than I am. Okay, but it's a bit of a, a play on words. Religious flesh. Let's get right into it. Religious flesh, Paul then in um, Galatians 5, and I want to encourage you to read Galatians 5 after this. So I'm going to give you a heads up on how to interpret Galatians 5. And then if you go off yourself to read it, you'll be in a much better position to understand what Paul is talking about. But religious flesh is when he talks about circumcision. It's about cutting of a piece of your flesh from a body part. And all the kids in the YouTube watching this, or if you're in the audience, you can ask your parents, what part of the body is being cut? But it is a cutting of the flesh. For Christ, in Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Let me talk to you about the first part of Galatians 5. Paul goes on and on and on about why, hey, circumcision or cutting a part of your flesh, this religious ritual that is done in the flesh uh, is actually, can sometimes restrict your freedom. When, why, why am I linking it to restrict your freedom? Because Paul in 5 verse 1 says, for freedom Christ has, um, uh, Christ has come for our freedom and not to be, go back to the yoke of slavery. And then the next immediate topic he goes to is circumcision, right? So I just have to follow whatever the Bible is literally talking about. And it goes to religious, religious flesh. A ceremony that has been done to sort of prove that you are ceremonially clean. And what was happening in those days was that people were, uh, you wouldn't believe it, actually it happens now, people were doing all kinds of religious practices in order to sort of prove themselves to be more holy. To be able to say, hey, you know what, I'm a better Christian than you are. Hey, you know what, I'm a, I'm a more mature Christian than you. Hey, I know I've been to all these Christian education classes. Oh, I've done all these kind of things. And they were relying on that for their faith, right? And that's why, um, that's why Paul attacks this really hard early on. Christianity can become a whole bunch of rules and compliance for you. And in church, there can be people who will pressure you, meaning well, they really mean well, pressure you to be more religious, to be more religious, to do the more churchy things. Don't, don't skip church on Sunday. Uh, you know what? Better be there at that prayer meeting. Uh, you know what? You gotta, like, and they would pressure you to do these things that would seem as if they're good for you. 
And they are at some level good. Because you have to understand part of the clean, unclean argument in that day about circumcision was actually not just religious clean, but because, you know, their hygiene was not so great back in the day, there was an actual argument that circumcision, and you can ask your parents about what part of the body we're talking about, right, uh, was a more clean kind of practice. So you're talking about broadly good things, which is why this is so confusing. Why, why is it? In fact, Paul and Peter got into a big argument about sitting with the supposedly religious proper people versus those who are a little bit more uncouth. Here is the problem. I have grown up in church I see people who grow up in church, and especially if they've got very controlling parents, if they uh, have got a, a very domineering home group leader or whatever it is, I see people grow up in church, and they're more concerned about doing the religious thing than they are about Christ himself. That with, if you ask them, there is actually no love for Christ in, in their life. I've seen, you would not believe, I've been, I've been in this church for 26 years. I've been pastoring for over 15. I'll tell you right now, there are entire families who you would, the mom and dad, you would think that they are a really good Christian. They never miss service. They never miss any of these types of things. Fantastic, fantastic. They might even be serving. But outside of the Sunday, outside of the religious structure of church, there is no faith working through love. So if left alone, mom or dad or the kid, whatever, wouldn't go, you know what, I think I'm just going to worship God today. Hey, I'm just going to ask God, what Holy Spirit, what? Not led by the Spirit, right? They wouldn't ask, Holy Spirit, what would you want me to do today? They, outside of the religious structure, they, 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 they're not actually submitting their life to Christ. But they are just ticking boxes so that somehow they feel like they have earned their right to freedom. There are all these things that, that God gives. Oh, it's good. And Paul calls that out. Paul says, oh my goodness, do not be people like that. Don't go back into that yoke of slavery once again. All right? Are you dependent on Christ? It seems like a small thing, but if we go to the next verse, Paul is so adamant against it. In Galatians 5 verse 9, he says, a little leaven leavens the whole lump with reference to religious flesh. That means Paul says, oh my goodness, even a little bit of it can wreck your faith. So that you could, it's a little bit like a marriage that has lost its love and all you're doing is just the motions of marriage. You know what that's like. You multiply that, it's a little leaven, and you multiply that by 10 years, 20 years. I know some of you have been married for 20, 30 years. You know what that's like. And then your kids have grown up now. And basically, 
you have no love marriage. You just have a functional marriage, a shell of it. And our faith can be like that if we do not watch it closely. That if we only rely on religious things, and oh my goodness, like I'm a pastor of a church. You should be attending church every Sunday. You should definitely come to our prayer meetings. There are things, there's Bible studies that are really good for you. You know, there's all these religious practices that, oh my goodness, they are amazing and they are good. But the minute they supersede, your love for Christ, the minute they take first place over so that you go, you know what, actually I'm distant from God, but you know what, I'll still show up at church anyway, I'll still do all these, ah, you know, then, then everybody will think I'm still okay. If that thinking comes in, if that thinking comes in, it's like a little leaven that messes the whole thing. Now, I've got to be really careful with this because it's a bit complicated. It is good to when you're not in a good place with God, if you're like losing your faith, you're questioning your faith, right? It is good to go, God, you know, I don't really feel like loving you right now, but I will still keep coming to church. I will still pray to you. I will still open up your Bible. I will still, that is good. Not for other people's sake, not for the compliance, not, not for any of those types of things. But because you're working out a commitment that you have with God, you're working out your long-term relationship with God, that's fine. That's great. That's like when you're really like upset with your wife or whatever it is, and you still, you know, are, are nice at home or you still talk and whatever. Great. So it's, it's I, I, I understand that I'm trying to talk about a very tricky topic here. Because I'm not saying... Just skip church every time you don't feel like going to church. That's not what I'm saying. But you know what it's like to be in a church or be in a home where you're more concerned about the religious things than about faith in God through love. There is a part of you, and I say you know because there's a part of the Holy Spirit conviction in you that you know Where are you with God? And unfortunately, the mechanics of church, unfortunately, the mechanics of religion make it so easy to substitute religious practices for a real encounter with God. So that's his first warning. His second, which I feel like is a little bit easier to understand, is worldly flesh. Worldly flesh. For in uh, Galatians 5.13, for you were called to freedom, brothers. So do not, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Again, you get this hint of what Paul is saying. That it's possible with your freedom that you now have, your free will plus your freedom, to make choices that later on is going to restrict you, right? So he says, hey, you were called to freedom, brothers. Don't use your freedom. For things, worldly flesh, that are going to restrict you, that's going to have consequences later on. And then he, in case you're wondering what that is, he goes into it um, in a lot of detail. In Galatians, in the next one, in Galatians 5, next slide. Uh, in 5.17 he says, For the desires of the flesh are against 
the Spirit. The desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. They are opposed to each other. Paul is right now saying you have to fight for your freedom. There is a part of you that has to fight. You have to pick a side. Um, and this is Spirit versus flesh. Because the flesh is opposite from the Spirit. And so it says, for those, these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. You really want to do. The flesh will keep you from doing the things that you really want to do. And you're thinking, what? That's ridiculous. I really want to do the things of the flesh. Aha. But that's where the flesh gets you. Because as you choose those things, over time, your choices become less and less and less. And then the Bible says that the wages of sin, that means what you get from sin is death. That means even if you can get away with it for the whole of your life, there comes a time of reckoning. And then, if you're talking about the ultimate freedom, that means the freedom when we're unshackled from these bodies and we are living in eternity, there will be one group of people that are truly free and another that are bound. And that is, all of these things are actually in view as Paul is talking in Galatians. And then he goes and he names categories of these things. So the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, these three are in sort of the sexual area of things, right? And we all know that the sexual area of life follows us around like our bodies. So they have effects on us. Our bodies is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Then there's a bunch of things that relate to God. Idolatry, sorcery, right? That is, hey, these things where... You're placing other things as God or you're relying on stuff that is not uh, God himself. And then the third, which he goes into the most of all, actually. So you think that churches talk the most about sex and God, but actually the longer list is things that we do with each other. Enmity, strife, jealousy. Fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like this. Things in our relations with each other. And there is a category. So uh, I want us to consider as the year is beginning, what are we choosing? What are we choosing? Because Paul is trying to say, that you, religious flesh, bad choice. Worldly flesh, bad choice. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is, and so he's contrasted those two, and he ends with the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these things, there is no law. What he's trying to say is, law can be viewed as restriction, right? Laws. What he's trying to say is that if you make decisions 
that produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, it makes you more free. If you're able to have self-control, you're actually a better off person. If you can learn to be gentle, even if you're strong, and you can learn to wield your strength with gentleness, you actually have more options available to you. If you're patient, if you're patient, you have more options than a person who is impatient. Let me just tell you that. So each one of these, they're actually freeing. That's why it says there is no law against these things. What will you do with your freedom this year? Um, over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about actually what it's like to walk in the Spirit, how to deal with things in your past, whatever things, that w- as we tackle this free at last sort of series. But I want to begin the year with a broad, broad question, which is, what will you do this year with your freedom? Every single one of us are sitting here this year right now with more freedom than we had a few months ago. We're right now, we're sitting with more freedom than we had a few months ago. What are we going to do with that freedom? Um, Again, to recap, religious flesh means that Paul says, don't untether from Christ. What are we going to do with our freedom? Hey, you know what? Maybe this year, if you are if you are in this category of a person who, for you, church, it's just something your parents want you to do. For you, church, it's just something that it's your culture. You know, like you, you always go to church and you, you actually, you go to church because you want your children to behave well. So you, you ever go to church and you get, right? Like if church for you or your faith is religion, I want you to consider Is that freeing for you in 2021? Is that going to be good for you in 2021? If you can go to the next slide. Do not untether from Christ. Your personal relationship with Christ, your reliance on Christ, your reliance on on Jesus Christ being your Lord, your Master, your Savior, that is essential, essential. 2021, right? Instead of looking at the law, the flesh, and works. The next thing he talks about is, hey, worldly flesh, what kind of decisions am I going to make? And I think what he's trying to say is, don't indulge in things that are going to curb your future freedom. As you begin this year, as you begin this year, try and figure out, how can I produce more patience in my life? More kindness gentleness, self-control, love, joy, these types of things. Just by hearing them in contrast to division, you know, envy, just in hearing them in contrast, as, as Paul puts it, you intuitively know that if you were to invest this year in building patience and kindness and things like that, you would have more options because division and these types of things, even idolatry, even sexual immorality, they bind you 
They bind you and they restrict you. And over the year, and we'll be talking in much more detail about these types of things in detail, but as the year begins, I just wanted to begin like Paul does in Galatians 5, which presents all of us with this option. How will we choose freedom? With our freedom of will, with our freedom of choice, what things are we going to choose as the year begins? Next week, we actually have Pastor Roland speaking. I'm so looking forward to it. We're going to be spending the whole month exploring this topic. So if you feel like I've just kind of just covered it at a really high level, it's because we're introducing it. It's the beginning of the year. But I think it's a good time for us to reflect. Um, if I could just have, uh, yeah, great, Rodney's up. I want to I actually give us an opportunity to make a commitment. It's really a simple um, commitment. Would you commit this year to be led by the Spirit and not led by the flesh? Whether that is religious flesh or worldly flesh. That's all. And maybe you're like, I need more details before I can commit. No, you don't. You don't. It's okay because I don't even know how this year is going to pan out. You don't. You broadly need to know that the Holy Spirit is going to be good for you. You broadly need to know that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, these types of things. If you would, it's almost like taking a step of faith. It, it is taking a step of faith. That at the beginning of this year, you would make a commitment and you say, at the start of this year, with my free will, with my choice, I choose the Spirit. I walk in the Spirit. One of the major themes of Galatians, actually, is to walk in the Spirit. Um, I, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. So while everybody closes their eyes, I, if you would like to make, at the start of the year, even if you're at home, you're watching, if you would like to make a commitment to say, this year, I want to walk in the Spirit. I want to, I want to pick a side and I don't want to follow the flesh, the religious flesh or the worldly flesh. But I want to walk in the Spirit this year. You're going to commit this year to being led by the Spirit, by God's Holy Spirit, who is God here with us. If you're wanting to make that commitment at the beginning of this year, can I invite you to stand up? And I'm going to pray for you right now. It's a, I think it's a very important decision and milestone at the beginning of the year. It's a milestone for the orientation that you're going to take. Would you this year commit to let the Lord lead you to be led by His Holy Spirit when Jesus left, He sent us the Spirit. He is our, He's God here with us right now. Okay, let's pray. Father, I pray for every single person who's standing. I thank you at the beginning of this year, Lord God, that we were, are able to choose you, that we're able to choose the Spirit. Lord, on behalf of FGA, 
Lord, I, I stand for our church, that you would be a church, that we would be a church that is led by the Spirit. I pray for our decisions over the next coming weeks as we decide things for the church, for what we're going to do for the community, for how we're going to run this year, for what we're going to emphasize. I pray, Lord God, that we would be led by the Spirit. I pray for our leaders. I pray for our worship team. I pray for our home group leaders, our, our, all of our different ministries. I pray, Lord God, that we would be led by the Spirit. Help us, Lord God, not to fall into either religious flesh or worldly flesh, Lord God. Let us not be divisive this year. Let us not just uh, run more programs this year, Lord God. But I pray, Lord God, prophetically even for this year, for this church, that we would be a church comprised of people and families that serve the Lord. That, that as for me and my house, we would serve the Lord. That that would be true in spirit and in truth in our lives. I pray for every home right now that is struggling with it. For every person whose heart is still kind of grappling. Um, for parents or, 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 or spouses that are right now, they're struggling and they're going, oh my goodness, there's too much flesh at play. I pray that this year we would walk in the Spirit. That step by step, one step at a time, from wherever we are, we would be led by the Spirit, that we would follow the Holy Spirit's call, and that bit by bit, you would lead us like a good shepherd. So I pray for every family, even right now, that is struggling, even every individual, maybe, maybe people who are even struggling with their faith or their life situation, and there's just too much of the effects of the flesh in their life. I pray, Lord God, that this would be a year of freedom. I pray freedom into lives today as we start this year. Father, thank you for the freedom that you have bought us. And we pray prophetically over 2021 that it will be a year for freedom, for us to be free at last, free to move and do what you have created us to do. These good works, these things for your kingdom, as we bear forth the fruit of the Holy Spirit this year. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless.